you know, things that I've learned is, you know, be patient through the process. If you want something that's going to be the best quality, if you want, if you want to build a community that lasts, you know, put in the work, but be patient with that. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over a year. Um, you know, certain things might develop in a year, but like building a business and building a community that really inspires people to, you know, to give and to, um, you know, value the things of life, value nature, value community, value sustainability. Um, that doesn't happen at, a, you know, at a very macro level. It's, it's like, it's an intimate thing. Built by the Coast, Along the Keel is your source for the stories behind coastal brands, organizations, and people. We dive into their backstories, how they came to be, where they're going, and the positive impacts they're having on their coastal communities. Born from the need, built by the water, this is Along the Keel. I'm Captain Zach, and on the show today, we dive into what it means to take the leap from a stable, cushy, and quote-unquote dream job to start a coastal apparel brand that puts community and purpose before profit. Leaving his home state of Virginia, Kurt Tobias and his wife moved down to Florida's Emerald Coast, pursuing what he thought would be a dream job, only to find that the corporate life really wasn't for him. Late nights and early mornings after work, and of course, in between training sessions, Kurt would slowly build tuna before eventually flipping the bird of the corporate life and chasing the waterways less navigated. He set out to create a brand that puts purpose before process, and yet despite all common practice, create some of the most comfortable out-leisure apparel on the market. Tuna isn't just slapping logos on tees, but instead reinventing coastal apparel and giving back to the community along the way. Not only is the majority of apparel made right here in the United States, but every stitch is ethically sourced with sustainable materials. And if you weren't already impressed and excited to meet Kurt, with every garment sold, Tuna actually donates five meals to an orphanage in Nicaragua that and much much more on this episode of along the keel so corporate america isn't your thing you know it uh this was the this was the dream job you know, making it down here to the panhandle, working for defense contractor. I was like, mm-hmm. this is it, man. And uh, first week, I was like, this, this isn't is it. <laughs> <laughs> what What made you conclude that? I don't know if it was, it was expectations leading up to it. Like it was going to be this like field of gold, but... Mm-hmm. um you know, and obviously it was, it was a good move down here, you know, came from Virginia and, and I liked Virginia, but you know, the panhandle is beautiful. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we make it down here, you know, big, a big pay raise, all these things, it all looks great. And, uh, you know, it just, I didn't feel the purpose. I was like, man, we Mm -hmm. just made a move for my, for career wise for money. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that makes sense because in a lot of cases it does, but yeah, money's always good. <laughs> it, it helps you, you know, pursue the, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be the, the person that's like, yeah, you don't need money, but, um, at, at, and there's, there's tons of statistics behind this, but you know, at a certain threshold, 
you're not going to be any happier. So you got to find what's going to be sustainable for me, for my family. And, um, you know, what are the things that are, that are important to me and can I chase those things still? Right. Yeah. So walk me through what was prior to you taking this job, right? Like you grew up in Virginia. Mm Mm-hmm. You are obviously someone in the out in into the outdoors, right? Into yeah. hunting, into fishing, into being, you know, into surfing, into CrossFit. You know, we mm. talk we talk on that, which we're yeah. we're not gonna just not talk about that. We'll get in there. Um <laughs> we'll get in. <laughs> It'll work its way in. But you know, you obviously the outdoors and the ocean and just being this adventurous spirit was always kind of in you, right? So was this something that you learned from your family growing up? Like, how did you get into all this? Because some kids, you know, they sit inside and watch video games and play video games all day. I was not one of those people. You hmm. not, definitely weren't one of those people from our <laughs> conversations thus far. Um, so what was it that kind of got you into where you're at now? Yeah. So like the fastest overview, uh, I am the baby of six and, you know, and... <laughs> Um, you know, my, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my folks basically were, especially my dad that, you know, he would never allow a video game system in the house. You know, we didn't even have high speed internet until I was a senior in high school. I was like, I was like, mom, dad, we like, I can't even submit this paper. (laughs) So, but you know, conversely, we had everything from dirt bikes to, you know, I had a whole paintball course in our backyard. Um, well, that's I mean, a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we were, we were hosting paintball tournaments. We had North shores, mountain biking trails that, you know, my dad gets the tractors out there and, you know, digging dirt jumps and, um, you know, but and honestly, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta give my, my middle brother some credit. You know, I always looked up to him and, and, uh, you know, always followed his footsteps. You know, it was, it was mountain biking, downhill mountain bike racing. You know, we got, all into that. And then, you know, it was, we always kind of went through these stages of fishing. Um, oddly enough, we, we, we really didn't get into hunting that much. Um, okay. but it was always fishing, you know, some version of fishing it was bass, catfish, you know, then our folks bought a place on the Chesapeake Bay when, when I was mm-hmm. probably a freshman in high school and we were there every weekend, you know, then we got into striper fishing, then it's, mm-hmm. you know, chasing bluefish, mackerel. And, uh, you know, so the, the water has been like critical for me, um, since a little kid, you know, it was, it was sure. like catching crawfish in the Creek all the way to catching a billfish in the Gulf stream. Yeah. And, uh, each one of those elements, I feel like continues to like bring out this inner child that I just like, you know, it, everyone, exp- when they experience that, you're like, man, I got to get more of that. Sure. And so, you know, that, that from a, from a young boy to, you know, in college, trying different things and going out in the outdoors, hiking and just exploring any ounce of the outdoors I could, I was always all about it. Um, yeah. And, now, um, what was the, cause you say you're, you know, your middle brother, were you the youngest of all the, of yeah. the whole family? Yeah. Of so the, I'm all I'm, six. Yeah. So I'm, I was the baby and, you know, I'm the biggest, so it doesn't matter anymore, but I am the baby out of all six. But you're the biggest. Yes. So you can by, hold so you, you held your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
there was a there was a pivotal moment where you know the middle brother always always picking on me and then there was just that one day there was like just kind of like met in the middle like kind of clashed the titans and it was like mm-hmm. oh no i don't control you anymore <laughs> <laughs> love it love it yeah. yeah probably took place on like uh like the football field or something you know where Gave him a little nudge, maybe. <laughs> Something it, like that. There was there was a lot of blood usually, so but <laughs> we're we're peaceful now. We're past that. We're past that. Sounds like uh my little brother who I'm, you know, very close with. And you know, there's always that moment it's like, oh, okay, all right. Well, looks like uh, you know, mono imano now, right? <laughs> um yep. so very cool. So you grew up hunt, uh, you know, not hunting, fishing in the outdoors shooting guys with paintball guns, which is an incredible amount of fun. Um, what was the, what was the boat of choice growing up? The boat of choice? Yeah. Did you guys have a boat growing up? Yeah. So, um, let's see, probably 15 years ago. Um, my dad got a new center console, just a 24 foot, you know, bay Mm -hmm. boat. Um, but before that, you know, as pretty much right when we got, the my folks got their bay house in the Chesapeake Bay. We had a a little you know I want to say it's a thirteen or fourteen foot just aluminum hole John boat nine point nice. nine Johnson on the back and and dude that still that thing still runs like a champ today. Um, oh, I, I mean we've we've run over every and so I can't I can't not bring up we called it the Striper Slayer. I can't not bring up the Striper Slayer and and not mention that we fully submerged that boat um at at one point um in the chesapeake bay what's that motor and all no so they don't sink um and we we can we can validate that um and uh (laughs) but we we drove to to shore completely underwater awesome so you know the gas tanks floating um everything all the tackle everything's gone but you know, two <laughs> two little blonde kids driving a submarine <laughs> to the shore. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It, it we my brother and I had those moments as well where it was like, Oh shit, don't tell dad we did something. You know, it's <laughs> like we either broke something, you know, there was one day <clears throat> he had a jet ski. My brother is my brother was a hand is a handy guy and um, you know, he always can just tinker on things. And for a long time, he was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, you know, my dad was like, don't take anything apart, right? Because if it comes apart, probably not going to get back together. Well, Noah is is someone that would actually put things back together. And then he'd be like, watch this. And he'd like fire it right up. And he'd just like put my dad to shame. And my dad would be like, oh, all right, yeah, I guess he can do that. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> one day, um, I'm trying to think what he did. So we had a jet ski. This is where I'm going with it. And uh, I, I'm not the, I'm relatively mechanically inclined. And he had this jet ski that was sinking as we're going because he, uh, he, one of the, the, the fittings, instead of sucking water through the system, it was sucking water into the hull of the jet ski and sinking. <laughs> and uh, it was just one of those moments that I can relate to because, you know, in the same token, on the same night, I actually blew a quarter size hole in one of the cylinders of, uh, the Yamaha outboard that we had on this. Boat. So, you know, in, in many ways, you know, I can kind of relate to that, but you know, you growing up going to college and then becoming an engineer, um, but always having this kind of in the back of your head, right? So you go to college, where'd you go to school? I went to Liberty university. 
which is okay. in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. And then you went to school for an engineer. What what kind of engineer were you? So were I actually you? went. I, so I went to school for information systems. Um, okay. I got a minor in intelligence, and uh, again, just always had for some reason. I think it was growing up outside of DC, but. Um, always had a desire to be involved in some sort of like defense realm, some sort of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a job actually before I even graduated school. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's, uh, it's always funny. You know, I, I wasn't a good student by any means. Um, I played lacrosse through college. Okay. That was all I cared about until the last semester. I was <laughs> like, oh, crap. I got to figure grades. this out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grades, those things. Um, and uh you know, so somehow I, you know, networking's never been a problem for me. So I hit a buddy mm-hmm. up. He's like, yeah, dude, we got like a quality inspector job. So I literally start out, I'm inspecting like little housings for these watches, this little mm-hmm. small electronic manufacturer uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia. You know, fast forward two years later, uh, probably more two and a half years later, I'm the lead process engineer. So at that mm-hmm. point, I ran all of our surface mount machines, meaning we made circuit boards. So I, I oversaw three lines. I had technicians, engineers. So I learned a ton in those first two, two and a half years, um, kind of in my career. And I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just a, you know, from the top down, just, I, I've always been super inspired by good leadership, but just mm-hmm. very turned off by poor leadership because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't want to. I don't want to be working because, you know, what, what we put in is what's going to come out eventually. And I'm like, right. man, if that's what, I, what I'm reporting to every day, if that's, and you know, he was a good man and all, but like, I, I've always wanted so much more. And I think I got mm-hmm. that from, from my father because, you know, he's a self-made guy, you know, didn't go to school, you know, started out as a grease monkey and, and became a very successful businessman. And, but you know, he's, he's kind of like, you know, all show and you know don't really talk about it type deal yeah yep yeah i'm i'm in a, in a similar sense you know the the jobs that i've had i've always been attracted to someone that is a, a job but more so not just the job but the actual person that i'll be working under you know or, or working mm. with is how i kind of see it like yeah you're my boss but i want to be working with you you know how can i support you and how can i then learn from your failures in the past into how you got to where you are today. And there was a, there was a woman in Hawaii cause I went from working here in Rhode Island on the water in the maritime world to then working in Hawaii as a captain. And the woman that I was working with was super, super inspiring, you know, similar to your dad, self-made, like, you know, hardworking. And, you know, I think leadership is one of those things that is, in, it's inspiring, you know? So do you have any, like, was there a moment where it was like, okay, yeah, this guy is not, is not the leader that I want to be associated with. Yeah. Um, that probably happened about 1am the first night that, you know, I was basically working, working nonstop. I would, I would actually leave work. Um, at the time I was training pretty hard for CrossFit. That was kind of like Mm -hmm. the big thing we did in Lynchburg is we just had a really good lifting community and yeah you know it's just like that was our thing it wasn't much else to do besides hey let's go throw down with some buddies after work but it was that it was uh go back home eat dinner and and head back into the factory and 
you know, and I bring a line technician with me and we were loading machines, we were setting things up. And, um, you know, I just, I saw someone that basically knew that I wasn't going to quit on them and was just Mm -hmm. taking advantage of that and basically, Mm -hmm. you know, said, Hey, I don't care what you recommend or, or what you say, Hey, we can't meet this contract agreement or this contractual Mm -hmm. due date. I'm still going to commit to it because he needed it for the business. Right. So, yeah, you know, those, those are moments to me when, when you put someone in charge and then you basically say, I'm not going to listen to your input. Mm -hmm. You kind of lose the credibility there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know that feeling of, you know, having that just never quit mentality. And I think that is a lot to be attributed to like an athlete, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and being an athlete, you play in lacrosse and, and, and obviously getting into CrossFit, which is a brilliant segue. Glad you dropped that in there. Um, (laughs) but that never quit mentality, like I'm just going to kind of muster my will into getting the job done, knowing like, okay, I got you know, I got an eight by three at 80%. I did that on Monday for back squat. It was like, okay, I got eight sets. Okay. Now I got seven. Okay. Now I got six. And just like picking away and knowing that when you get down to the last set, like, all right, I got three more to go. Like we're done, you know, and then on to the next thing. So, you know, I think you bring up an interesting point where, you know, having that, that leadership being so poor, you learn a lot from it. Now, that never quit mentality also rolls itself into what you're doing now with creating tuna, you know, and then also kind of your athletic endeavors, which have been through CrossFit. And, you know, you were kind of telling me a little bit like you're pretty competitive in it, or at least you were back in, or, or back in the past, or are you still now? No, I would. So my two, uh, outdoor, physical activities that are at the top of my list. It, it, it evolves over time for me. So, um, right now it's beach volleyball. So I would say, um, naturally I'm, I'm a much better, if I would have picked up beach volleyball, I picked it up at the end of college. If I would have picked it up before I probably would have played through college because I just enjoy it that much, um, at a competitive level. Um, but CrossFit is super interesting because naturally my athleticism has always led me to like pick up a sport quick and, and be, mm-hmm. you know, pretty competitive at it. CrossFit was not that case at all. Oh, really? I mean, it was, it was eight years in the making to even get somewhat decent at a local level. And, you know, I'm, okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard on myself, but you know, the training buddies that I had, I was never the best out of the pack. Whereas if I was playing volleyball at a local level, I would probably say typically I'm going to be the best one on those courts. Sure. Why, why do you so, think that is? I've just, uh, what you mean from, from not picking up CrossFit as fast? Yeah. Like why one, you know, why one thing versus the other? You know, just, I think it's body mechanics for me. Um, well, actually I, I, I do know the reason, but I would say first it would be body <laughs> mechanics for, okay. for sports, hand-eye coordination. I've just always been, um, pretty good. And, you know, there's, I would be interested to see like a sports study to see how certain sports at a high level, um, basically flow into other sports. Um, mm. I think lacrosse would be one of those that, uh, I mean, almost every guy on my team there's, you know, we play intramural sports throughout Liberty and like we would crush everyone and everything. And it's yeah. like, 
it's such a fast paced sport that you have to have mm-hmm. such good coordination. I'm not undermining other sports because I think, you know, all of them are technical in different ways, but sure. it is, it is a very technical sport that like high level athleticism is needed. Now, why I don't think CrossFit's been as good, 100% all comes down to mobility. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like I'm good at things that I shouldn't be good at. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm 6'3. Usually, when I'm actually training well, I'm about 200 pounds, okay. hover five plus or minus five pounds. So, yeah. I'm not like a big 6'2, 6'3 guy. It's like I'm pretty yeah. lean. Um, so I've always been super strong. I've always had a good back squat. I always had a mm-hmm. good deadlift, good at gymnastics, but yep. you know, you put me on like a bike or a rower, like I'm not that good at it. Okay. And it, which is weird because, you know, I, I'm constantly playing sports. So like my motor right. is good in sports. It's just something about that just get burnt out super fast. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's, um, CrossFit for me was like a, a gateway into so many other, like I grew up, my mom was a semi-pro bodybuilder. My dad was wicked into powerlifting. Like I kind of grew up watching pumping iron, you know, like mm. I had seen the entire Arnold Schwarzenegger catalog of films by the age of like 10, like commando, all the ones that you probably shouldn't watch <laughs> at the age of 10. I had already seen like <laughs> twice through. And pumping iron was on the top of that list. So that was kind of the inspiration. And, um, you know, CrossFit was that introduction into more of like the sport, you know? So like, oh, there's, you can lift heavy weight and you can also be in strongman or weightlifting or powerlifting, you know? And Mm -hmm. I got introduced to these things. So, um, but there's something to be said about being an athlete, you know? And I think there's so much crossover where you see people in, in entrepreneurs and, and people in business who, are also athletes, you know, and, and they realize that there's such great crossover both mentally and physically in the sense that, you know, it also kind of makes who you are, right? Like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. You know, I'm going to have to get through those, you know, 10 back squats, even though they're going to suck, you know? Um, recently I did a, uh, let's see, it was, I walked in one day and I feel like you would know what I mean by this, but I walked in one day. And I'm like, I want to do it. I had just gotten done with a competition. So I'm like, I'm going to do a 10 by 10 on the back squat. Sounds miserable, right? And uh, I'm like, I'm going to do it at, at 50% of my max. So I throw 50% on there. I do, I, I think I got nine out of 10. And then I was like, this doesn't hurt enough. Let me do some more. And so I got to like 18 <laughs> by 10. But it, it's like, it, it's like this weird visceral feeling of like, I just want to see what it feels like to go there, you know? And like, I want to mm-hmm. see what it means to push yourself to like, I kind of want to throw up, but like not really. And I know this is way off topic, but looping it all back around, I think there's a certain type of person that wants to go for it without really realizing or knowing the result, you know? So plus I just think community in general, which is kind of what you've developed here at Chuna too. So mm-hmm. you're, you're now in Florida, you're, you're kind of coming out of the corporate world. And at the same time, you are you have this idea of creating a, an apparel brand with the idea of out leisure, similar to athleisure. Mm-hmm. So, what was it that kind of was like, you know what, this whole corporate gig, this kind of sucks. Like, how can I, how can I get out? Like, there's there's like a light 
how, where is it? How can I follow it? And, and what made you choose what you chose? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, that's a juicy question. Um, you know, the first thing being to, to touch on a, an item that you've mentioned before that, like I 100% agree that that definitely flows into the mindset of that, you know, I'm ready to, to go through the pain. I'm ready to endure like what's next. And, uh, I always want to explore like what I'm capable of doing. And, uh, so to kind of tie those two things together of like the training mentality into like a true entrepreneur is like, Hey, I'm never really satisfied with just going in clocking in and clocking out. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be working towards something greater than that. Um, so, you know, for me, it was just being able to say, Hey, I want to align really what I'm passionate about, which is helping people at the end of the day, um, unifying people. I mean, we, we live in such a, um, you know, divisive time where people are just at each other's throats over everything. And it's like, man, like how can we change that culture? And and everyone thinks we're going to change it over. I'm I'm not making a political statement here, but, um, I think everyone's like, Hey, we're going to change it over our phones and through Instagram posts and through tweets. It's like, you know, like this is all going to happen at, at our very micro level communities. And to Mm -hmm. me, it's like, man, like the 10 closest people around you, that's who you're going to be able to impact. That's who's influencing you the most right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it, it all ties in, you know, how are you physically being pushed? How are you pushing people physically, how mentally, spiritually, all those things. And like, if you can go down the box and check, check those things and you're still reporting into a corporate job, then that's awesome. Um, but you know, for me, I, that just, I just think it was never in the cards. I, I mm-hmm. just think I've followed the path of that's what everyone else does. You know, you go to college, you, you get a job. Like for me, I was like, well, let me go down the list. What's a good paying job. Oh, engineer. All right. I'll pursue that. And, right. uh, but for me, it's like one, you know, if you're chasing, if you're chasing money, you're not going to, you know, chances of just making, like making it big, it's not going to be in corporate America. It's going right. to be, it's going to be out there on your own, you know, grinding away because basically it's like, what are you capable of doing? That's the mm-hmm. only limitation at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so, but that wasn't it for me. It was, you know, I want to be able to control my destiny. Like I, I want to know that, Hey, how much effort I put in is what I'm going to get in return. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't matter how hard I work at where I'll, I'll leave it, uh, unnamed right now, just in case. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it makes zero difference. I'm just a little ant in the project for them. You're a cog. Um, yeah. And that's, that's like really disturbing when you actually take a you know second and, and step back and look at your life and say like, man, what am I impacting over those eight to 10 hours I do every day? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that just like, rocked me as soon as I was like, Oh man, I made it to the dream job. And it was just like, Whoa, like I'm not doing what, what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a weird feeling, right? Like, you know, I've always, there was a moment in time where my dad went and he got out of corporate, the, the corporate world and he started an apparel, not an apparel company, a, um, a promotional company. So he'd print apparel and whatnot. And then also like, you know, mm-hmm. pens and for, for small businesses. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it occurred in the, in the, war, the worst time of the United States at the time, which was like end of 08, end of 2007, beginning of 08, like the crash. So, which, you know, everything was fine. made it through, like not a big deal, but, um, you know, it, there was a brief moment in time where, you know, I got to hang out with my dad on a weekly every night, you know, every, and that was just never a thing because of corporate America. So, yeah. you know, and it was that watching someone go through the motions of like, okay, check the box. Okay. Check the box, you know, and it's just, it's heartbreaking, right? Because at the same time you realize like you leave from that job and they're just going to fill it with someone else. Right. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. And and it's you, you, everyone, and my coach tells me this all the time. And he's like, dude, no matter what you do, no matter what job you have, you will be, you, they'll always find someone else to fill it. You might not be as good as that person, but the job is still filled. Right. And they might think that, you know, you might have put, made an impact on that company and, but that job is still filled. Like the impact in the greater scheme of things is very, very small. And Mm -hmm. You know, it took me a while to kind of realize that, right? And it's like, man, I'm working my ass off and I'm doing such a good job. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but I clock out and I'm done. You know, like they don't care. Maybe they do, but like not really, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like pursuing your own thing, you are the clock. The clock starts when you say go and the clock ends when you go to bed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And I don't know, for me, it's always been like, just having something to think about, right? It is is just it's better to think about your own thing than the than than to put it into someone else's thing, right? Yeah. So I'm right there with you. Is like having that nine to five is great, and it makes if it makes some people happy, it makes some people happy. But if it's if it's not for you, it's not for you. Like you're not cut out for it. Sure. So when you decided to make that shift of mindset and go into something on your own, you could have done a, a bunch of different things. Right. You could have you could have gone and, and used your skill set, you know, in, in the intelligence community and gone in that route. But you decided to kind of go and do something that is, you know, it's a tough thing to get in into. Right. The outdoor space, the apparel business, like it's tough. But, you know, when you first approached me and you were like, hey, I'm getting in touch with Waypoint. I'm like, well, you're also talking to Waypoint. You know, how can I get on the show? Like, how, how can we how can we do something? I, I was really looking at what you you know, what you stood for and what everything looked like. And I was like, man, this guy has got something going on. So like, what was the mindset behind starting Chuna? And by the way, I love the name, I think. And the, um, the phrase it's into your nature, correct? It's, it's choose your nature. Choose your nature. I'm sorry. Choose your nature. Um, yeah. Which kind of plays into tuna, which Mm -hmm. I, I I dig. So yeah. Like, like give me a thousand foot view. What was it all? What was the break? Yeah. So, um, again, naturally with the background of, of manufacturing, I was like, you know what, all right, what am I, what am I, you know, what, what do I have, uh, I guess experience in and then what am I passionate about? So I was like, all right, I'm passionate about people. It's like, all right, so narrow, you know, get a little bit narrower on the scope and you know, so knowing from the electronics realm, like there's, there's no way of sugarcoating it. Like, when people wonder, man, why can I buy this like watch for $2? It's like, well, because a slave made it. I mean, that's literally what it is. Like, I mean, you know, people don't understand that, you know, if you can buy something for so cheap, 
Now there are certain things that machines pump it out, but like when you look at a garment, you know, someone sits there and sews that thing together and Mm -hmm. we don't think about that. And I'm just extremely fascinated when I, everything I look at, you know, when I look up right now, I see a, a, you know, these plantation shutters, you know, someone put those together. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain things that again, we have so much automated, uh, machinery out there and equipment that can pump all this stuff out, but there's still certain things that someone's laboring hands are on it every single day. And, and there's millions of people doing that. So, um, you know, to be completely honest with you, like when I started searching, it was, you know, I was, I was tuning into podcasts like this. I was tuning into podcasts like Tom Rowland. Um, you know, there's some leadership podcasts that I listen to. I, I listened to, I literally listened to two of your podcasts today. Um, oh, really? Which ones yeah. did you, did you check out? I, I listened to Jetty and, and I, um, wrapped up the, uh, Pharaoh bags. Um, oh, cool. All right. Yeah. 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 What the Jetty one is that one always sticks with me because mm-hmm. it took him 18 years to go. Back I know to. that rocked me, dude. I was like, ah, yeah, I don't. I don't want to be doing that for 18 years. <laughs> um, yeah. And then arrow, you know, equally as cool. Like Jack just kind of going out, living in a van and doing his thing, like both really great shows, but yeah, keep yeah. going. Yeah. So looking at those things and, and just kind of saying, Hey, how can I make these align? Um, I mean, this is how ignorant I was to the process, but basically I was like, you know, I sat there, I've got one guy from college that, he does their finance stuff. Um, and obviously I have all other stuff is contract out, but most of them are mm-hmm. friends. So graphic designer, d- clothing designer, um, you know, those are people that I know and, and have, you know, been friends with for a while. So, mm-hmm. um, so basically, you know, we kind of sat there, my buddy and I, um, his name's Ian. He, he does all the tuna finance stuff. So he, he keeps us in check of what we can actually do, what we can't. And, uh, we pay for this question mark. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, you know, I bet you like, like apparel would be like relatively cheap to get into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that couldn't have been more opposite. Um, <laughs> apparel is like one of the most capital intensive things that you could get into. Um, in fact, I, I, one of my biggest, I've listened to, um, how I built this by Guy Raz. I think we've, yeah, yeah I think we've talked about Big that. inspiration yeah. for this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I listened to, uh, Chip Wilson guy who started Lululemon and, uh, man, just hearing his vision, how he saw, you know, this, this, um, this corporate realm of women that are going to be, you know, dressing in, in nicer athleisure clothes, um, and, and understanding that, oh, wow, like all these women now, they've got these good paying jobs and it's not going to be, I'm going to wear my raggedy clothes to the gym. It's going to be, I want to look good when I go to the gym. And mm-hmm. he saw that. I mean, that dude had the vision for it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I see certain things changing and it, you know, all these things lining up, moving down here, being in manufacturing, having the upbringing I did, um, everything's just been a stepping stone um, to understanding and realizing, okay, like this was meant to be like, mm-hmm. um, my passion for people. I, mean, I grew up in a, a pretty strong Christian household. You know, my dad used to sponsor, you know, a hundred plus kids, you know, meaning he fed them, clothed them, um, Very cool. you know, gave them education. Um, yeah. you know, so kind of a segue to what Chun is doing. 
you know, every garment that's sold, this actually hasn't been released yet, but it will be um, by the time this podcast is aired. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, every garment that's sold is going to be five meals to uh, an orphanage down in Nicaragua. So, right. yep. um, you know, so like that being kind of the backbone of like, okay, how can I give of, you know, the hard work that we put in and, and to continue to encourage people to, to give rather than receive. Um, but also on the front end is like, man, I'm not going to have some sweatshop making our clothes and then being like, Hey, look at us. We give meals right. to people. <laughs> it's like, no, I want to know that people that are actually making the garments, you know, like, I, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so like, uh, again, just to kind of highlight that piece there is like providing meals is not the end game because, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're like, how do we eradicate hunger in that area? Well, you know, first we have to, and this is going to make sense to someone that exercises and works out, but like a supplement is not long-term, you know, nope. so we can't just supplement the problem down there. But right now providing meals for malnourished kids that don't have water or food is indeed, you know, that is a, a necessary supplement. But, you know, as we continue to get more involved in that community, you know, the group that we paired up with is Give 38. It's a local group run by a buddy of mine, just solid as a rock and uh um you know are already you know we we've sat at a whiteboard and said okay like first it's meals then it's we're building the garden then it's building wells and like you know so people that that buy into the you know the tuna process and and the story and the in the mission and vision um they're going to be able to experience that firsthand and uh i i don't think there's anything cooler than that to be able to say you know, and I'm, I'm buying something that is ethically sourced. It's going to be, I, I buy something once it's high quality, it's sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm helping out a good cause and, and I get to walk that because it's going to be, we're such a small group that they get to be involved in it. Essentially. Right. You know, they're like basically adopted into the family versus like, Oh, I went and bought a Nike shirt. It's like, cool. So did 10 yeah. billion other people. <laughs> If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late, so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and not to mention the, you know, the ethics behind 
that Nike shirt, you know, with the sweatshops in China and in, in, you know, elsewhere. Um, so, you know, I think there's a, it seems to me like there's a common theme throughout what I've been hearing so far in it, in that kind of gets summed up in one word, which is community, right? I mean, you came Mm -hmm. from a community of, you know, a family of six, right? And was that including your mom and dad? No, that's just siblings. That's just, that's just the kiddos, right? So, you know, that's, you know, eight people in one household. Plus you just mentioned that your dad also, you know, fed and how, and, and, you know, supported a hundred other kids, right? Like there's a big underlying theme in your life. And and that theme seems to be community, right? CrossFit, you know, lacrosse, Mm -hmm. all those things kind of add up, you know, there's nothing like being a part of something bigger than yourself, right? Like I compete in the sport of weightlifting. And part of that reason is, is when I got out of college, I was competing for the URI powerlifting team. And then I transitioned out of college and I was like, well, man, what now what, right? Like you got to have that community of people that you can kind of go to that, you know, there's a little bit of hazing involved, right? Not hazing, but you know, everyone's poking fun of each other, right? And pushing you to do better. And, and not only in the gym, but outside the gym or outside of whatever you're doing and, you know, just people to go to, whether that's friends, family, you know, your gym buddies, volleyball friends. Um, can you touch on a little bit of the importance of that community, not only in your upbringing, but also in the way that you're going about kind of creating tuna, right? Cause if you go on your Instagram, if you go on your website, that seems to be up front and center, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just some guy standing there with a fish. It's, it's a group of people on a Bronco, which by the way, very cool Bronco. <laughs> uh, I know the story, but I know you mentioned that the story yeah. behind that, but you know, the community aspect is something that the outdoor outdoor space just has so much of. So what is it and why was that such a big piece in everything that you've done up until this point? And, and it seems to me like the, the lack of community in your corporate job was mm. probably the reason why you're, you weren't exactly, you know, too keen on staying there, which I don't blame you. Yeah. I think you just kind of answered it all yourself. Um, no, that's, it's a great, great question. And, um, you know, something that's really important for everyone to ask themselves, essentially. Um, but, you know, for me personally, obviously growing up in a family that obviously, there's, you know, there's always going to be that competitiveness, you know, who's out doing the next person, especially, you know, at, at the at the sibling level. Well, then you get sisters that are like regional level CrossFit athletes and you're like, what the heck? Like, I can't even keep up with my sisters <laughs> over here. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, I'm like the the least out of shape out of all the girls so um no but you know obviously that you don't even recognize or realize those things until you hit these points in life that are that are really so like okay do i do i take this path or do i this path like um and for me it really was moving down here because i left a community in virginia that ran so deep i mean there was like there really was not much to do in that town. It was a little college town on the you know foothills of the Blue Ridge, but the community was everything. Um, mm-hmm. And we moved down here, and I actually had a sister that was located down here at the time. Now, now they're in New Zealand, but 
um, that was it. Like we didn't know anyone else down here. Um, so it was like, all right, well, we got to start this thing over again. Like my wife and I were, were very outgoing. So we get plugged in a bunch of groups at the gym, volleyball mm-hmm. courts, all these things. So we're making friends in different pockets, but you know, the coolest thing to me, and I think that was, there's again, all of these little stepping stones, the area that we're located in here on the panhandle is called 30A. Um, and it's, you know, super trendy now because it's like in, in a, insanely popular destination for people in the south or across from texas you know everyone travels okay. here now um is that like town or so it's it's actually a, a highway that that hugs the coast okay. and and each each town kind of has its own like theme and architecture and like mm-hmm. basically like a whole different vibe to it um and uh so it's really unique from that stance um, but the, the area, I mean, it seems large because like, I think the statistics are like three to 5 million people come just to 30 a every summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the town is so small. I mean, you know, one person, you know, everyone. And so to me, that was a really cool thing actually. Cause it's like, you know, I'm a loyalist. Like I want to go to the same coffee shop and say, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'll have the usual today. Like to me, that's yeah, just well, like, that's the coolest thing. And yeah. uh, so to me, that's, that's community at its heart where, you know, you can just rely on people and you, and you can really do life with people versus like, Hey, like, yeah, I got some friends and, you know, we all live in New York city and, you know, we mm-hmm. go to the bar and, and, and get some drinks here and there, but like, man, are you really doing life with them? Like, I mean, I've got different pockets of buddies here that, you know, these are the fishing buddies. And, you know, we go a couple of right. times a week. These are the volleyball group. This is the workout group. Like, and, uh, you know, living on a peninsula, like there's, it's like either you're doing something outside or, you know, you're, you're exercising. It's like, so you're always chasing after something in the outdoors. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to me, it's like outdoors are a beautiful thing to be a part of and just explore by yourself. But experiencing that, you know, experiencing some sunset over the bay and, you know, you're just fishing, you're like almost mindless. Like, I want to experience it in that with someone else. Like, I don't want to do that yeah. alone. And nah, so, who doesn't? Right. So, I mean, that's that's to me what was another, I guess, a, a, a key piece to bringing Chuna and, and really highlighting the lifestyle of the panhandle, because I mm-hmm. think it's so unique and not very many people know about it. Um, because everyone's right. like, Oh, like panhandle, what is that? Like, you know, basically people are like, Oh, it's just like the sticks of Alabama. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. if you saw where it was, you're like, Holy crap. Like, is this the Caribbean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, we have some of the best beaches pro- like that I've ever seen in the U S I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's that nice. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's just about being outside and, and doing it with the people that you love, you know, doing life with. Right. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, you know, you mentioned to me last time we spoke because, you know, for those that are listening, every time there's, you know, a new brand or person or, or company or organization that, you know, I want to get in touch with, or they get reach out, we always do like an intro call, right? There's always some sort of you know, introduction to, Hey, you know, what are you about? Right. Because if I just go off your Instagram, chances are, you know, there might be someone that, you know, it's like, eh, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if you really fit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, obviously we're talking because you make a great fit. And, you know, my, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was your idea behind out leisure. Right. Mm. And, you know, you mentioning the um, podcast, how I built this with Guy Raz and the episode with Lululemon. Um, I listened to that episode, I think twice. And it was just so brilliant in his execution of just creating a brand that, you know, is, is high quality. Like I own Lululemon shorts, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm proud to say it. Don't, you know, don't people come (laughs) at me. Um, I also got them 40% off because I know someone that works there. Um, but there's something to be said about having a high quality, comfortable pant or short that you just want to wear all the time. You know, like I, you have to kind of like peel them off of me. So I put them in the laundry, right? (laughs) Because I'll wear them for three days straight, four days straight. Like I don't care. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that article of clothing that you just keep on putting on. So Mm -hmm. why was it that? instead of taking this idea of, yeah, I'm just going to make a clothing brand. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to make an apparel brand. You're really actually trying to change things up a little bit. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're the idea of out leisure. If that's not trademarked, go ahead and trademark that. Cause it's <laughs> damn good. That's pretty damn good. So yeah. like, what was the, what was the idea behind that? You know, cause that, that, that feeds right into you being an athlete. Sure. Yeah. And like, so I have always looked at life kind of, through a different lens, um, you everyone is so defined by like the activities that they do, the way they dress, the communities that you know their group that they hang out with. So it's like you know you got the jocks, you got the athletes, and it's like you see them with a, a fishing pole and they look like an idiot. And you're like, you know, for me, I've always just been able to cover all terrains and just look like I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not that. I would say I'm the best in any of them. It's because I enjoy doing everything. And Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I'm like, you know, naturally spending majority of my life doing more athletic things, uh, wearing athletic clothes. You know, I have owned quite a bit of Lululemon. And and frankly, I looked at that and said, if my product doesn't meet the quality of this, I'm not going to sell it. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and, and literally searched so like a, a little side story, like if you're starting an apparel brand, you can basically give up that Google's going to give you anything because, you know, everyone, everyone hides where they do their development, where they get their fabric from, mm-hmm. you know, most of it's o- overseas. A lot of those factories don't even have their website in English. So, um, you know, for us, since we manufacture here in the U.S., um, it just takes a really long time to to nail all that down, but you know, it comes down to fabric sourcing essentially. And, and then, and then how you put your patterns together, how does it mm-hmm. fit on the body? So again, I guess your ultimate question is like, like where did out leisure come from? Like, why was it inspired again? Like I, I wanted to change the, the way that the outdoorsman could perform the outdoorsman could look and feel, um, you know, cause naturally I'm not ragging on Columbia or anyone like that, but like they've just owned those territories. Whereas like a, you're wearing a parachute out on the boat. I mean, it literally looks like a parachute and I'm like, yeah. why does that make any sense? Just because it's a outdoor or it's just because it's fly fishing shirt. Like mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, I got to wear that. 
Now, there's I'm not the first one to this. You know, you got Free Fly, you got Howler mm-hmm. Brothers, you got Marshware. You know, you got a lot of studs out there that they're they're doing some damage in the industry. But at the end of the day, you know, people want something different. Some people want to know what's what's behind the brand and all these things. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be opportunities. Um, I would say as, as a brand goes, as of uh, hand feel and functionality, we're probably closest to free fly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're striving for a creativity level of like a Howler brothers. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I, you see this shift, everyone starts out, you know, I think Howler brothers is more like this kind of surfer esque and then like kind of went mm-hmm. to fly fishing you know, free flies, like, obviously like we're all fly fishing. Well, now yeah, it's like, right. now we're camping and now we're surfing and, and wait, yoga pants. you like, and like, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. everyone's, everyone tries to just dabble into other industries. Whereas right. us, like it's in the logo, you know, we've got, we've got choose your nature as our tagline. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't mean like choose nature. It means like, what's your natural habitat? You know, where, right. where you do you feel most in the ocean? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the C is, is a fishtail and the A is a mountain. Like we want to cover all terrains. Um, and, and we want you to feel good and, and look good while you're doing it. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's like athleisure blew up and changed the world. Um, so I'm like, why can't we do that in the outdoor industry and basically just put the outdoor lifestyle to that level of, of quality? Yeah, I dig it. And you know, it's, I feel like as an athlete, so many times are you, there's like this proposal, right? Every day it's like, are you going to get up and and put the work in or are you going to sit back and not do it? Because if you don't put it in, it just doesn't happen. Um, But to the same token, there's also this, this capability to adapt every single day, right? Not only do your muscles physically adapt, just the physiology of working out and training, but also your mentality, right? Like, are you going to go for a hike one day? Are you going to go, you know, do a back squat, clean and jerk? Like, you know, CrossFit is shit. I mean, if you don't adapt in CrossFit, then you're just not in the right sport. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn how to do a ring muscle up. You're going to learn how going to have to learn how to do a snatch and you're going to have to learn them both to some level of, you know, um, proficiency. Right. So same thing applies with the outdoors though, which I think is such a cool way of kind of, you know, being an athlete, you're really like an outdoor athlete. Like you got to want to learn how to fly fish. You're going to, but to, in order to fly fish, you have to hike out there. So you got to be good at backpacking, right? Like, and obviously there's different levels of this, you know, you can go crazy fly fishing in the backcountry, but, or you can go and pull off to the road and, and hit up a Creek for some brook, brook trout, right? Yeah. Same thing goes with like surf casting or being out on a boat or, or what have you paddling. So, I really like the idea behind it because it's like it, 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 it's a culmination of like this adaptation that we have as humans to kind of be in your own environment and having one brand that you can kind of look to that crosses, you know, choose your nature. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. literally in the, in your tagline. So it kind of encompasses it all. So when you kind of, you're going through this process, I mean, shit, there's always, there's always moments and in, in, in challenges that you have to adapt, right? So what are some of the things that you've learned as you've kind of grown this company? And, you know, I know you're doing like a relaunch of the website and you're kind of putting things in play. Mm-hmm. So as a growing, as a newer company, 
what has been some of the hardest obstacles that you've encountered and what does that look like in terms of just your, your overall development? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, yeah, you know, personal development for me is equally as important as seeing Chuna grow. Um, because right now Chuna is essentially a, a reflection of basically my work ethic and my character and my passion. So, um, you know, when I see things growing there, I can almost say, okay, like I'm checking the boxes, things kind of back at home base. Um, you know, there's, there's been so many challenges. I mean, I, I, I bet you if someone said, you know, someone with a list that said, here's the top 10 things not to do. I did all of those twofold. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just, I had no idea what to do. Um, and I was spending money. I mean, everything's been bootstrapped up to this point. You know, we just secured our, our first round of, of investment money and, and, uh, um, you know, super pumped about that, but like, it, it's been super painful every chapter. Um, but I think that's somewhat necessary. I mean, again, you know, I, we're using a lot of strength training or, or just overall training, physical training references, but like, you know, analogies. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's almost too easy, but like people it's that don't, people that don't, uh, you know, live that life, it's kind of hard for them to understand, but you know, someone that lives under the, the squat rack, you understand it real fast. Um, is that a Tom Platt's reference? <laughs> what's that? Was that a Tom Platt's reference? Bodybuilding? No, but no, but um, it, I guess, I guess he said <laughs> it too. too <laughs> I'm getting too deep into it. Keep going. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's like, we got to wake up every day and basically say like, all right, like this is going to hurt. But mm-hmm. I'm ready to put the work in because I, I know on the other side, it's going to feel so much better. You know, I, I literally asked someone the other day, I was like, you know, they in the manufacturing world, which is actually really sad to a degree. But, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, I want to win the lottery. And, and this person's like, I was I basically asked her, said, do you do you want to win the lottery or would you rather or it was would you rather win a million dollars or would you rather earn it? And she said, I'd rather just win it. And I said, really, why is that? And before she even answered, she said, actually, I'd rather earn it. Um, because when people actually think about it, um, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that you put into something, just that reward is so much greater. Um, and I also think that we, we don't stop and realize and, and acknowledge the, the small victories. So if you, you know, you ask me, what are some things I learn? I'm, I'm still learning this, but acknowledging the small victories, the small hurdles that I get over, because naturally, you know, our type of mentality is, you know, I got to keep rolling. Like if I, Mm -hmm. if I set a deadline for the middle of the month and I blew past it, all right, well, I'm picking something else up. It's not, okay, well, Mm -hmm. let me like, basically rehone in and, and figure out, all right, how can I set better goals for next month? It's like, no, just keep rolling, you know, don't stop. And, uh, you know, that can be a dangerous thing because that's not sustainable. And so, you know, things that I've learned is, you know, be patient through the process. If you want something that's going to be the best quality, if you want, if you want to build a community that lasts, you know, put in the work, 
but be patient with that. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen overnight. It's not going to happen over a year. Um, you know, certain things might develop in a year, but like building a business and building a community that really inspires people to, you know, to give and to, um, you know, value the things of life, value nature, value community, value sustainability. Um, that doesn't happen at a, you know, at a very macro level. It's, it's like, it's an intimate thing. You know, it's, it's one-on-one conversations at the beach. It's you talking to some buddies at the bar. It's, you know, it's an everyday effort. And, uh, those are the things I've learned the most. It's just like, you have to realize that, you know, prime example, I could literally pull it out of the drawer right now, but the very first thing I did with Chuna was I said, I want to trademark the name, um, mm-hmm. which it wasn't Chuna at first. It was many other names, oh, but no. basically what was, we, what was the last one that it was? So it was Cuda actually. Um, Cuda. Uh, yeah. Like a Barracuda? Like a Barracuda. Um, okay. And so it was the same C and the A was like a fish head. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like really driven to do just a coastal brand. Well, my trademark attorney's like, yeah, there's like 5,000 Cuda brands out there. There's already people selling apparel, like it ain't going to work. And so, you know, I already told you the story, but the, the, how we came up with Chuna is, uh, you know, I would go to Panera actually every day and write down any words I could create. Cause she said, unless you create a word in the apparel industry, it's probably not going to be approved by the USPTO. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. crap, I, how do I make up a name? Oh, I'll create, I'll create a word. <laughs> um, so um, oddly enough, you know, I've always been someone that's like made up nicknames for people and stupid mm-hmm. crap like that. So, um, I'm sitting there writing things down. It probably was, you know, the 10th or 12th time I was at lunch writing things down and, uh, the lady goes up and orders a tuna salad and I heard it, and, you know, she's a British lady and I heard it and I wish I could have gone up and hugged her because I'm like, that was brilliant. So, um, awesome. I wrote it down and, and hit it to my graphic designer and he said, we're going to put an A, uh, we're going to put a mountain as the A. And, uh, then we came up with the choose your nature tagline later, but you know, it was just like, it was so cool to see, you know, each part of that step, you know, full circle back though, is the trademark process was a year and a half. And I was like, I am going to just freak out when I get that paper in the mail, Mm -hmm. you know? A year ago, I get that paper in the mail. I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh, cool. And literally threw it in the drawer. Yep. And it just shows that like, you know, it's not a bad thing to reprioritize important things, but you have to stop for at least a minute and and walk down memory lane and say, wow, like I put in months to literally mm-hmm. getting that name. I put mm-hmm. in thousands of dollars to getting that mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, just to inspire people that listen to this, like, stop along the process and hold yourself accountable, you know, get people in place to hold you accountable to say, Hey, look how far you've come. Because, you know, if you don't acknowledge those steps, the process is going to hurt real bad and you might not make it through because that's not sustainable. You know, that's a really, really insightful and wise thing to say. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's something that I personally struggle with. Right. And I've always kind of, and I think that's the the athlete in me, right. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you hit a PR. Great. What's next? You know, 
Yeah. Like What's I hit a PR on my Yeah, it's like I hit a PR on my jerk this morning. I was like, okay, cool. Like that's gonna wear off by the end of the day. And tomorrow I'm gonna want another one, you know? But that's why I keep coming back, you know. So part of that is there is that I want to keep coming back to grab that next little carrot. But taking a step back, being like, oh shit, you know, I, I'm watching videos of of past me lifting. I'm like, oh wow, this is look how far I've came. You know, like look at the look at the form change. And you bring up the trademark issue, and I had I went through the same thing, right? So like uh, last summer, this podcast was called Beyond the Buoy, right? Got hit with someone not wanting to be Beyond the Buoy. They threatened to sue. I was like, okay, whatever. We're gonna change it. Like, you know, it's gonna <laughs> suck, but whatever. And you know, it was that same process. And you know, just I think it was two weeks ago, my trademark attorney calls me up. I actually met with them um, over the summer. And uh, we've kind of always stayed in close contact. And, you know, he's like, hey, your trademark went through. And I was the same reaction of, oh, okay, cool. You know, (laughs) but like you, it took a year. And then there was the whole process of like going through that pain of like, okay, I got to change this. Oh, I got to go back. Like, you know, it's all, all that kind of culminates. And and it's still that pay attention to the process. You know, like my, um, my mom and dad are great at doing that. They're like, okay. No, that's cool. That's cool. But make sure you keep on, you know, understanding where you came from, you know, and there was a guy that I'll always remember, Howie. Um, I don't know if Howie even listens to this, but I walk out of the gym. He goes, always remember where you came from. You know, I think that's always, and that's always stuck with me is like, always remember the steps that you take to get to where you are today. Cause those are the, it's the journey that truly matters. Similar to like what you said of like being patient, that is where the fun is, you know? And if you don't go through the, that pain, like why are you even here because like you if someone hand me a million bucks yeah sure great if i had to earn a million bucks way more fun you know mm-hmm. so as you're kind of going through now now we're at a certain point right you're 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 launching a new site you got some stuff you're you're going full time you know we're leaving the corporate side behind what's some of that like you got any I don't think the word is the, the, the word fear isn't right. Cause I know that's not the case. It, the, the, or it might be, but I you don't can, think you can use that word. <laughs> you think so? I, but I feel I, like I there's, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel it, it. Fear, I think is something that something where you may not be. Cause it's not a lack of confidence either. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the word for it because I feel like fear isn't it, but if we use that for a placement for now, it might it might come, you know, through the end of the convo. But like what are your what are your your thoughts looking forward of like making this transition? Cause this is big, right? Like yeah. you got a round of investment, you're you're leaving this job that was thought to be your dream job. This is the reason why you moved down here, but it seems like all these things are now in place for you to then to execute on tuna. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, I I would definitely use depending on the day. I would definitely use the term fear, <laughs> okay. um, and it's not fear of chasing passion. It's fear of discomfort. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, you know it's human nature to want to experience the same level of comfort, if not continue to grow in that area. Mm-hmm. So when we experience a, a certain luxury, and as Americans, we take so much for granted in general, but, um, 
you know, it, it's fear of not having a consistent paycheck. You know, we're, we're extremely blessed that, you know, my wife has a great job and she's crushing it as an entrepreneur. And I mean, she's, she's frankly an inspiration to me. Um, you know, just to see how much she's grown over the last two and a half years with her business. And, um, so, you know, we're, we're fortunate to say like, you know, we're going to be able to pay the bills. We're going to be like, it's not like we're going to be out in the street. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to believe like, Oh, I'll be making money with tuna in in a year. Like I'm not making money for like actual money for years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's just the reality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you look at the long game, like it, it was never about, let me go make a quick buck. It's, Hey, if, if I really feel called to this, like, you know, you better be ready for the marathon. This isn't a sprint. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it really is, it goes into community again, like crap Mm -hmm. in crap out. Like if, if you're listening to people saying, and that's, that's the environment that I'm in every day. Like people are not positive where I work. Um, but I, but I listen to these podcasts when I'm knocking out some sort of analysis that I'm on, you know, and, and hearing you speak about, Hey, you know, I I went through this and, and back when I lived in Hawaii and, you know, the challenges that I experienced and how that kind of shaped, you know, where I am today. And, you know, those are like, those are the things that you need to hear every day because like without it, you're going to let the world continue to, to dictate your outcome, which is like, just give up because, you know, you're not going to have what it takes. Um, right. So it really is all about the input in the, in, in the appropriate feedback around you. I'm not saying people just blowing smoke up your butt every day. It's, it's people being Mm -hmm. real with you and saying, Hey, you know, like, don't give up. Like it's tough right now. Like I can't tell you how many times my, my wife's like, like you got this, like we, you got one Mm -hmm. more month. I mean, literally by the time this airs, I'll be, I mean, I'm already, I would probably say, you know, putting in 30 plus hours a week on tuna. Well, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'm not saying like, well, I'll be full-time tuna. It's like, I'll just be out of corporate America and be able to focus right. solely on, on this project. You can now do 80 hours at tuna. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. But it's, but that's, what's important. And, and it doesn't seem like work because it's, you know, it's, it is such a, passion driven thing and and does it change at times yeah absolutely but like you know at the end of the day this is what i've dreamt of for the last two years to say Mm -hmm. i just want an opportunity whether it's six months or six years i want an opportunity to give this thing everything i have wise words from kurt there and just being able to give everything that you have to one cause and a cause that is really built around purpose rather than profit, but at the same time, taking the leap of faith into the deep end, right? And and learning from the mistakes and learning from the success and the failures of creating a business and leaving that safe haven, that comfort zone. And we all know the, the cliche that, you know, nothing really happens in your comfort level, right? It's only until you step out of your comfort level that success and failure and and growth happens and it's really cool to be able to help Kurt be able to tell his story on today's podcast and I just want to thank you Kurt for coming on the show and if you want to learn more about Kurt you should head over to alamakeel.com sign up for our newsletter 
and just be ready to get a whole bunch of goodies coming from us. But if you want to check out Kurt, you can check him out at tunaclothing.com. Go over to his social media and you can learn all about what he's got going on. Please buy a shirt, support, makes for a great Christmas gift. I know we're getting a little bit close for the holiday season, but they are extremely, extremely comfortable. I will say that. Kurt was uh, nice enough to send me one of his hoodies after we recorded the show. And man, I have not been able to take that thing off. Worn it to bed. I've worn it out. I've worn it to the gym. I've worn it pretty much everywhere on the boat, at work. Doesn't matter. That thing follows me around. So, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to Along the Keel on all of the social medias. And just wanted to thank you for listening to this show. It means a lot. And if you want, please leave a five star review. I can't tell you how important those are. If you leave a five-star review, say something nice. And if you DM me on Instagram with a picture of your review, I might even send you some gear, some stickers, a hat, a shirt. We got some stuff coming down the pipe, so please do. And with that, I hope you guys work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.